thank you all for being here today. We are in part two of a three-part series that we are simply calling On a Mission, On a Mission. And if you took a look at the back of your bulletin, you noticed you get a one short sentence description of what this series is all about. It says, discover your role in the mission of God. Discover your role in the mission of God. I know that's only one short sentence, but there's a couple assumptions built into that little statement. One of them is that God is on a mission. (laughs) We assume that there is a God and He is on a mission here. That's built into that statement. God is on a mission, and we absolutely believe that here at Hope Community Church, that our God is not passive. He is active in this world. He is on a mission. There's something that He's questing after, and the thing that He's questing after is us. He's on that mission. It's a rescue mission, and he wants us, humankind, he wants to save us. He wants us to bring, he wants to bring us back home to him when we leave this earth. God is actively, passionately, vigorously on a rescue mission. We believe that God is on a mission, and so that's one of the assumptions built into this statement. The other assumption is this, that you somehow play a role in God's mission. And I believe that, and that's like one of the beliefs of our church, is we believe that God puts everybody on this earth for a reason. He has built a purpose into each one of us. And you can have different gifts, and you can have different skills, and you can have different things that you're good at. But when you connect with Jesus Christ, when you connect with the church, when you connect with the movement of Jesus in this world, it's like something unlocks within you, and you get to fulfill your God-given role. And so I would say, and this is my belief, and again, a belief of the church, that each one of us in this room, we have something to do for God in this world, something that will help Him advance His mission in this world. And so that's, you know, again, that's a little short statement there to describe this series, but that's what we're talking about. You have a role to fulfill in the mission of God. I know that sounds very Christian-y if you're new to Christianity, if you're not quite a Christian, you don't know where you stand, that sounds very Christian-y, but, but I believe this, the most satisfying way to live is when you're attached to God's mission, when you're fulfilling your God-given purpose in this world. And so last week we talked a little bit about uh, goals and strategy. Do you remember that conversation all? And if you missed, you can always go online and and watch those messages or listen to those messages. Uh, If you listen, you don't have to look at me, so there's an advantage. But you can also watch them on YouTube. Um, But if you missed that, you can go back and check that out. But we talked about goal and strategy and how this thing that we call church, this movement of Jesus Christ in the world, that there is a specific goal we have as a church. There's an objective we have as the church. And so once we know that objective, we can work towards it. Once we know what our goal is, we can develop a strategy to get there. And so the goal, for those of you who were here last Sunday, maybe you remember, the goal of the church is it's, it's pretty direct if you look at what the Bible says, if you look at what Jesus was laying out when he launched this thing that we call the church, when he launched this mission. The goal of the church is pretty specific. We, the church, we are to spread the gospel to everyone, everywhere. To spread the gospel to everyone, everywhere. That's the goal of the church, of the movement that we call church. To spread the gospel to who? Where? Hey, how about that? Now listen, I, again, if you're new to Christianity, you're new to church stuff, that is about the churchiest answer you can come up with, isn't it? To spread the gospel to everyone, everywhere. And listen, there's, prob- there's dozens of other ways that I could have put that. Maybe use some flashy terminology, make it sound more modern. But we're talking about, I mean, it all comes down to this one thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to use some churchy language for once in church. Is that all right? (laughs) To spread the gospel with everyone everywhere. That's it. That's it. It may not sound exciting, but it is. It's really, I mean, this is it. It's like we're a part of this rescue mission. We get to be a part of that. And so to spread the gospel to everyone everywhere, well, what is that gospel? What does that word gospel mean? And that's another thing that we Christians, we, we probably should know what that means, but a lot of us are confused about that. The gospel is this message. It's the message of what Jesus has done for us. 
It's the message of what Jesus has made available to us. It's the message of God's love. God sent his one and only son into this world, and that son, Jesus, he died on the cross in your place and in my place. He suffered the penalty of mankind's sin, of humankind's sin. He paid a debt to God that we could never pay back. And when we put our trust in Jesus, instead of trusting in ourselves, Jesus will give us a forgiveness. He will cleanse that debt. He will wipe away that debt and cleanse our sins and give us eternal life. Not just eternal life in heaven, but he'll give us a purpose to fulfill in this life. And so that's that gospel message. And the goal of the church is to spread the gospel to everyone, everywhere. Wow, what a big goal to fulfill. Can you imagine doing that on your own as one person? I want you to go out there, and I want you to spread this message to everyone, everywhere. Hmm? That's, that's too much work for one person. And so we kind of break it down. All right, that's the goal of the church, the church of all Christians everywhere, the capital C church. Well, what about, what about our local church? Because the big church is made up of lots of local churches. We're about, I don't know how many people are in this room right now, but we're a small little church, and we meet here in Ridley Park. And so even as a church, even if there was like a hundred of us, that would still be like an overwhelming task for just a small group of people here to spread the gospel to everyone, everywhere. And so we need to be a little bit more specific about what our church's goal is. And our church's goal is to spread the gospel to everyone in our territory, in southern Delaware County. And we get a little bit more specific than just saying Southern Delaware County to the, the Ridley School District and the Interborough School District. That's our little piece of geography that we're focused on. And yeah, it's not rigid. We can spill that out. We want to spill that out to the larger area of Southern Delaware County. But really, that's where we're focused, the Ridley School District and the Interborough School District. I tried to come up with one word that combines the two, but it just felt wrong to even try that. It's like, no, you don't mix those two. But we're right here rolling this together. And so that's our goal as the church is to share this gospel message with every man, woman, and child in our territory. That every man, woman, and child in our territory will have repeated opportunities to experience the gospel. That's our church's specific goal. All right, well, as an individual, how are you going to do that? As an individual, how are you going to go out and share this gospel message with everybody in our territory? Well, it starts with getting a little bit more specific. And so last Sunday, I gave you these little cards out. Do you remember these? Oh, I remember. Do you remember these cards that we gave out last Sunday? And so we gave you these two cards. And so we're going to start with you and the people that you know. This is my circle of influence, okay? In other words, these are the people that you know, the people in your life, your network, your people, your community, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, whoever you would consider a part of your circle. You've got a circle. You've got friends. You've got people in your life. And so it starts with you having influence with them. It starts with you having influence with the people you know. Now, we could go out there, and we can take vans out, and we could just canvas the area, and we could hand out information, and we can knock door to door. We could do all that, and that might work a little bit, but that's not the most effective way to do this thing. That's not the most strategically wise way to go about our goal of sharing the gospel with everybody in our territory. And so I think it starts in the context. Real ministry is always done in the context of relationships. So who do you know? Who do you know? And who can you share the gospel with? Now, last Sunday, I promised you that I'd give you some more information about how you do this thing of of having influence with these people. How do you effectively have influence with the people who are in your life? How can you somehow communicate this gospel message to them? How can you somehow uh, give them an experience in the gospel? How can you do this thing? And so we're going to focus on that a little more this Sunday. Uh, When I was at uh, Philadelphia Bible College, uh, Philadelphia Biblical University, we... um, 
we had to take a course in evangelism. Evangelism. For some of us Christians, that's a scary word, isn't it? That conjures up some ideas of, wait, you mean like that guy on the street corner saying, hey, repent or you're going to hell. Or that guy's like, hey, accept Jesus or you're going to be damned forever. Yeah. Sometimes we have these negative connotations about that word evangelism, but it's a beautiful word that means a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful word that means a wonderful thing. And so we had this course called evangelism. And in this course, we talked about the fact that so many of us Christians, so many of us people who claim to be followers of Jesus, we are uncomfortable talking about Jesus. <laughs> He's our Savior. We'll talk about him in church. We'll sing songs about him in church. We'll talk about him maybe among other Christians. But we're just we're uncomfortable talking about Jesus with other people. Let me tell you something right now. If you are uncomfortable talking to other people about Jesus, <laughs> join the club. It's an uncomfortable thing. It's weird. Now, there's power. I know we learn in the Bible that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ, and that name has the power to do lots of things. One of the things that the name of Jesus Christ has the power to do is the power to make people uncomfortable. It really does. And you can talk about God in general. Maybe people are a little bit more comfortable with that. You can talk about faith even, and people are okay with that. You can talk about religion, and people think, oh, okay, or spirituality, oh, okay. But you mentioned the name of Jesus. Oh, things just got real, right? We just went there. We just went somewhere deep. Well, let's talk about our area. Let's talk about you know, Delco a little bit here, okay? One thing that we don't like here, we don't like to talk about real stuff, do we? And I know that could be a problem like across the country, but let's, my fellow Delconians, come on, listen. We don't like to talk. Delconians, is that it? Or is it Delco? I like Delconians. That sounds dramatic, doesn't it? My fellow Delconians, we don't like to talk about real stuff for the most part. Let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about the news. Let's talk about sports. How's your family doing? Good. How's yours doing? Good. Okay, good. All caught up. We don't like to go there. I'm speaking as one of you. We are all Delconians together. We don't like to go there. And so if you're going to have a conversation with somebody and bring up Jesus, you're going there. It just got real. And so if you're, if you're like one of these people, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian, and you're uncomfortable talking about Jesus, I, I get that. That makes sense. I understand that. Now, just because you're uncomfortable doing it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But all I'm saying is I, I get that. That makes sense. And so back to this class we had um, when I was at uh, Philadelphia Biblical University. We had this evangelism class. We talked about the fact that so many of us Christians are uncomfortable talking about Jesus. And so what so many of us Christians do, what so many of us Christians say is, you know what? I don't really like to talk to other people about Jesus, but I just like to live as an example. I don't really want to mention the name of Jesus because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want people uncomfortable. But I just like to live my life as an example of what it is to be a Christian. I like to live as an example of what Jesus was all about. And so we kind of, to some degree, we kind of hide behind that answer a little bit. I'm not really going to share the gospel in words, but I'm going to live it out. I'm going to be an example to other people. So many of us Christians say that. And you know what? That's great. And that's essential. We need to be living it out. We need to be examples of what Jesus was all about, as overwhelming as that may seem. We need to live out an example of what Christianity is. We do need to do that. But there's two pitfalls to that, okay? First thing is this, nobody in your life, nobody in your life is going to intuitively figure out that God sent his son into this world to save us all from sin and death, and that son was Jesus, and he died on the cross for mercy. No one's going to figure that out just by looking at your life, okay? Nobody's going to say, ah, she's such a great person, and she's so friendly, and she always recycles, and she takes care of her kids, and she's, she's such a wonderful person. You know what? Just by looking at her example, I understand God. Just by looking at that person's example, I understand that God sent his son to die on a cross for my sins. It just makes sense. No one's going to pick that up intuitively. So live as an example, but at some point, there needs to be the words. There needs to be the words. 
And so that's one of the pitfalls of just living as an example. If you, if you never say the words, if you never articulate the gospel message, people aren't going to intuitively pick it up. Here's the other downfall of living as an example. What if your example is lousy? <laughs> what if your example is no good? You know, you've got people in your life and like, oh, yeah, no, they go to church or they're doing their part at weird church in the Barnstormers Theater or whatever it's called, but like, I don't know what they're doing. What if you're a lousy example? How are, supposed, how are people supposed to learn anything about who Jesus is and what he cares about, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, if your example is rotten? See what I'm saying? And so many of us Christians, and I would like to say, well, none of us in this room, but so many of us Christians, we say, well, I'm living as an example. It's like, really? How are you living as an example? Are the people in your life, are the people in your circle, are they looking at you and are they saying, that person's different? Are the people in your life looking at you and saying, wow, there's something about that person that's, that's kind of magnetic, that's kind of intriguing, that's, that's piquing my curiosity. What is this person about? Or are they looking at you and you're just doing all the same things that they're doing, living the exact same way that they're living? Let's take a look at this scripture passage that's in your bulletin from, from Romans chapter 12. And this is Paul writing to a church in Rome. And let's take a look at this. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and he's talking to he's talking to people who are already Christians. He's talking to people who already are proclaiming themselves to be part of the church. Okay? That's why he calls them brothers and sisters. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of all that God has done for us and all the mercy that he's had on you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well put, Paul. Now, see, what Paul is saying, you know, we talk about this thing as living as, living as an example. That's like the watered-down version of what Paul was saying here. Go into this world, and with your very self, with your very body, with all that you are, incarnate this gospel message and live as a sacrifice. He's writing to people who understood bringing animals to slaughter. He's writing people to understood the concept of literal sacrifice. He says, don't, don't be slaughtering animals. Don't be offering up these sacrifices to your pagan gods. Instead, you are the living sacrifice. It's a much more dramatic and effective and, and, and just, it's, it's a great way to put it. Yeah, we say living is an example. He said, be a living sacrifice, comma, holy. We're called to be a living sacrifice that is holy. How many of y'all feel holy today? We feeling holy all right? Nobody raised their hand? Okay, me neither. All right. Holy, what does that word mean? Now, we probably all have ideas where we think like, oh, like a holy person is like, you know, the saints that stand, oh, in the pictures, and they have that. It's like, that's a holy person. No, holy means separate, set apart, set apart, different from everybody else. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. This is how you worship God, by living this. Now, those of you who have been a part of Hope for a while, you, you've probably noticed that every Sunday when we close, my prayer is basically the same. Have you noticed that? I say, God, this service time is over, this worship is over, but allow our worship to continue by the way that we live. Something along those lines. Isn't that? Because this is it. This is not about gathering together and singing some songs and sitting and listening to me talk. Well, let's worship God by how we live. Let's live as these sacrifices. Let's be set apart. Let's be holy. Let's be pleasing to God. And then listen to this, verse 2. Oh, man. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not be 
like everybody else. There is a pattern of the world. Don't follow it. Be different. Don't conform. Be a nonconformist. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. You know, when we're younger, we're taught about peer pressure, right? Did you get all that stuff in school? Don't. Don't give in to peer pressure, right? You get that in middle school and probably even elementary school, middle school and high school. Don't give in to peer pressure. And we think about peer pressure as this kind of like almost like aggressive thing. Sometimes it's passive aggressive, but it's like everybody else is doing the wrong thing. Everybody else is taking the sip. You take a sip too. Everybody else is taking a puff. You take a puff too. Hey, be one of the crowd. Peer pressure. Well, guess what? Peer pressure doesn't stop when you become an adult. It just shifts into something that's less aggressive and more dangerous. It becomes just cultural norms. Cultural norms. Well, this is the way that everybody lives. These are things that everybody pursues. Everybody just pursues wealth. Everybody's pursuing uh, retirement. Everybody's pursuing comforts. Everybody's pursuing comforts and comforts and leisure time and comfort. It's just the way of life. And everybody does, parents like this, and everybody treats their, it's just the cultural norm. And so it's not about peer pressure when we're adults. It's more about, hey, this, this, is, just, this is just our society. This is just how our culture works. Now, what Paul's saying is don't conform to the way everybody else is doing life. Live differently. Don't do life the same way everybody else does. You do life differently. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be changed. Wow, how many times in the New Testament are we presented with this same idea over and over and over again, the idea of once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are now something new. You let go of your old self. You were born again. You are a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new is here. How many times, Paul alone, how many times have you tried to teach us this concept of being something new, of being changed? And he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love how that's phrased. It's like change the way you think. And there's the concept here that we need to be intentional. If you're not intentional about living differently, you won't live any differently. <laughs> if you're not you know, intentionally trying to go against the current, you're just going to fall right in with the current, right? You've all been out in the ocean, right? And that rip tide or whatever it's called starts pulling you out. You've got to fight against it. If you don't fight, if you're not intentional, see ya. You're gone. So that's what Paul is telling us. By the, it takes intentionality. Renew your mind. Think differently. Be different. Live different. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's this, here's this idea. is like you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different. Not different for different sake, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Not obnoxious in our difference. Not like, okay, well, I wear Christian t-shirts. That makes me different. Not like that. We're supposed to be different in how we view life and how we view relationships and how we treat our spouses and how we treat our kids and how we treat our coworkers and how we spend our time and how we spend our money. Don't just conform to the pattern of the world and do what everybody else is doing and spend the way everybody else is spending and treat people the way everybody else is treating people. No, we do something differently. We have a different set of priorities because as Christians, we are supposed to be seeking after God first, not comfort, not contentment, not leisure, not financial security, but God. So, those of us in this room who have kind of clung to this concept of, yeah, okay, evangelism, I'm living it out. I'm living as an example. How are you doing with that? Are you living differently? Are you a nonconformist? 
Or are you living the same way as everybody else in your life? Is the only difference between you and everybody else in your life who isn't a Christian is what you do at this hour on Sunday morning? Or are you living differently? Do you spend your money any differently than people who aren't Christians? Do you spend your time any differently? Do you parent any differently? Do you watch over your kids, and are you concerned about their spiritual development? Are you watching their schedules? Are you watching what they're doing? Are you making sure they're... Do you parent any differently than everybody else? Do you party differently? Yeah, you're allowed to party. How do you behave when you're out at the clubs, guys? Any club goers here? You know, right? You're allowed to go out to the clubs. You're allowed to go out to bars. Are you behaving differently when you're there? You party the same way as everybody else, Right? Or are you that person in the group where it's like, you've had your drink? Listen, by the way, let me give you my quick sermon on drinking. I give it every once in a while. The Bible doesn't say it doesn't drink. Don't drink. It says don't get drunk. Okay, you've got to sort through that yourself and figure out, well, what's the nuance there? And that's why some Christians decide I'm not going to drink at all because I'm just going to err on the side of caution. Fantastic. That's wonderful. But I can't tell you the Bible says don't drink because it doesn't say that. It says don't get drunk. So when you're out and your friends are getting a little tipsy, or you're the one saying, you know what, I'm going to stop here. I've had my beverage or whatever you decided, your two or whatever. I've, I've reached my limit. I know I'm going to stop now. Nah, come on, have another one, another round, another round. I mean, we've got Uber picking us up anyway. Don't worry about it. You know what? No, I want to keep my wits about me. Does anybody say that anymore? Keep my wits about me. I sound like Adam West from Batman. Let's keep our wits about us. <clears throat> so maybe don't say that. But are you the one saying, you know what? I just want to keep a level head. That's what people say, right? I just want to keep a level head. I just want to watch out for us. I know we've got a driver. I know it's all fine. But I just want to watch out for us. Are you different? Are you different in the way that you party, in the different way that you celebrate? I don't know. In, in the way that you celebrate, in the way that you enjoy your free time, are you different? What about the way that you handle money? I mean, we talked about it. I just mentioned that earlier, but are you spending money? Are you spending it on frivolous stuff? Or, you know, are you getting those invitations? Hey, come away for us. Come away for a weekend. Come away down this. Let's go spend. Let's go to whatever, Atlantic City, and let's go to do this thing. You know what? I could afford to do that, but I, I just I can't justify spending that kind of money on this. Because I know I could be investing in something else. I know I could be investing in someone else's life or there's somebody else in need. And I just can't, I can't rationalize. I can't do it. Are you different? Are you different? Now, I got to tell you, it's not completely random, this message topic for the day. <laughs> it's not random. Um, two times recently, actually just yesterday, somebody said to me, he said, you know what, Josh, you got to stand up there or sit down, you know, on stage every Sunday morning and you got to talk at people. How do you figure out what to say? And there's a long, complicated answer to all that, but the short answer is this, okay? This is my job as the pastor. I take a look at what the church is supposed to be, and I take a look at where we are, and I say, how can we bridge this gap? How can we bridge this gap? And so we're talking about this today because all of us in this room, I feel like, listen, we've all struggled with living out this example. We all have. We've all had failures, okay? This sermon is not about let's all feel guilty about our failures. It could be. That'd be depressing. Let's all feel bad about ourselves. Go in peace. No, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about what you did last week. It's not about what you did last night. It's about grabbing on to this reality that we need to live out our faith because you could live it out all wrong and you could speak. You know people who live it out all wrong. You know people who are just jerks out there who say they're Christians and they go to the church thing and they're going out and they're doing stuff wrong and they're living wrong and they're being rude to people and then they want to talk to you about Jesus? No, thank you. I don't want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. You want to invite me to your church? I see how you live. I don't want to go to that. I don't want to be a part of that. So we don't want that. We want to live it out. You know, we're taught something tough 
really, really tough. I, I, I reference this often here at Hope. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul tell, again, Paul writing, he tells us this thing. He tells us that we are, oh man, followers of Jesus Christ, Christians. We are Christ's ambassadors in this world. We are Christ's representatives. Not, when I read that, when I, that doesn't feel fair to me. I didn't sign up for that. I mean, I signed up for salvation. I signed up to receive Jesus. I signed up for, I don't, I, be an ambassador? Be a representative of Jesus in this world? I'm not qualified. I didn't sign up for that. Doesn't feel fair. Basically, what Paul's saying, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. <laughs> it's the reality. When people find out you're one of those churchgoers, when people find out you're a Christian, when people find out you're a part of Hope Community Church, they're going to look at your life. And whether it's fair or not, they're going to make a connection between who you are, what you're about, how you live, and Jesus. Wow. <laughs> and so, whatever happened last week, whatever happened last month, whatever happened last night, let's let go of that and let's move forward as living sacrifices. How do we have influence? How do you have influence with the people in your life? You feel uncomfortable talking about Jesus? Okay, you're going to have to at some point. But for right now, focus on being a living sacrifice, a non-conformist, an example to other people. And listen, once we hit critical mass, once we're out there actually doing it, we can change the whole community. Because that's what it is. When somebody sees your life and, they, and they're captivated by the way that you live differently, they're going to want what you have. They're going to want that peace that you have. They're going to be intrigued by who you are and what you're about. And when they realize it's Jesus, they're going to want that. See, this is... <laughs> I say this all the time. This is why we're here as a church. It's not about religion. It's not about churchiness. It's not about... It's about sharing the gospel with other people. How do you do that effectively? You work on the people in your life. Now, I realize what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be vulnerable around other people because it requires that vulnerability to be able to say, no, I can't do this thing with you. No, I can't go on this trip. No, I'm not going to have that other drink. No, I'm not going to... It requires you being transparent and vulnerable, and letting people see the change that is going on inside of you. Let them see that. It may be weird. It may be awkward. It may be a little bit uncomfortable, but they are going to be drawn to that. That's how you can have influence with the people in your life. That's how we will change our community. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we feel like you've called us to do this thing that we just can't do. You've, you've, you've put us here in this world to be your ambassadors. And so, Father God, I just pray that, that you will give us the ability to do that. <laughs> We're not qualified in and of ourselves. We're not qualified in our own strength. But Holy Spirit, we need you to live this out through us, live this out in us. Lord Jesus Christ, give us the courage to be different. Give us the courage to be pursuing different things. Give us the courage to be nonconformist. And Father God, we pray that people would take a look at our lives and our example and that they would be intrigued by you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.